Gentlemen, welcome to the Alpha M Podcast. Wherever you are right now listening to this, I want to thank you for your support. In this podcast, you'll get my views on lifestyle, self-improvement, and business, all in an aim to unlocking your confidence and helping you feel the best you can every day of your life. Also, at any time during this podcast or if any of my videos have helped you in the past, please feel free to leave a rating and a review on the platform you're listening to this. Five stars, of course, would be awesome, but I'll leave that up to you. Every week, we're going to read out and feature a few of my personal favorite reviews. So lock in and enjoy today's episode. So before we jump into today's episode, you've probably guessed already that I am not Aaron. I'm Paul, who works with Aaron on Enemy.com. And as mentioned, every week we're going to be going through some of your reviews and ratings that you've left on the podcast and reading some of them out. So here's a few that caught our eye. This one's from Traboria. He says, stumbled upon this guy after disappearing down a YouTube wormhole. Glad I did. Slowly been implementing his advice and building a better me from the previous train wreck. Keep it up. This one comes from Georgie Boy 74 big fan of Aaron, and this is another way to now listen to his content, badass. And then finally, this one really caught my eye. This is Rocky under slash Balboa 18, and he says, Aaron, thank you so much for everything that you do. Your videos bring a lot of joy into my life, and I really want to hear more podcasts. How can one guy who was bullied, shy, and had no friends now be confident, stylish, with nice friends and a beautiful lady under his arm? One answer, and the answer is you. Thank you, Alpha. You'll probably hear this a lot, but you've changed my life. Now I can't live without you. So don't forget, leave a rating and a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to, and we will be reading them out every single week. So let's now jump into this episode. This is a podcast interview for the Who Is Going To Stop Me podcast. And here, Aaron talks about style. He talks about digging himself out of bad situations and also getting himself out of debt. He talks a lot about business too, so hopefully you find this episode insightful. Enjoy. The thing that I wanted to start with was about the fact that I did interview you three or four years ago, and I have to say I'm I'm really impressed. Obviously, you've gone from strength to strength. Like Looking at your YouTube channel, you're nearly at 5 million subscribers, and I have to say, like I've reached out to tons of people. Obviously, we're relaunching this podcast. I've been reaching out to... And uh, best-selling authors, you know, personalities, you know, just just people who I think are doing incredible things and really embody that who's going to stop me attitude. And I have to say, I reached out to you and you were one of the guests that A, responded the most quickly. B, (laughs) were just really like, you know, you, you said that, oh, you thought about me and you thought about my channel and you'd kind of, you know, wanted to check in almost. And, uh, and it, for me, it really kind of personifies who you are because I've, I've obviously in the lead up to this interview, I was watching lots of videos and, and doing some research and you really have such a humble and genuine kind of on-screen presence. And I just wanted the listeners to know that that completely translate to who you are, like kind of off, not offline because it was via email, but you know, yeah. that completely translate, you really are kind of who you are. You know, that very humble, that and almost like when I watch your videos, it's almost like and I see this in the comments as well. People really view you as like a surrogate father or like a big brother. And which is crazy. Right. And it totally freaked me out when I realized that, to be honest, it, it, you know, when, when I realized that when I started YouTube, when I started posting videos, it was really more of just an outlet for me. I was at the time that I started posting, which is pretty crazy, but it's been 
um, almost 11 years. I started it in 2008 and I had just come off of a really like emotionally very, very hard time. I filed bankruptcy. My business failed. It was, uh, it was the lowest point in, in my life. And, um, and so I started like this, like little, like image consulting business where I was trying to, you know, help guys just dress a little bit better. And, and my wife gave me a video camera. So it was like, ah, just start posting YouTube videos. Why not? And, um, and when I did it, it was more for me just because it was like, wow, this is really, you know, something cool. And, and it allows me to talk. And, and, and when I first got that, that first like interaction and comment, it was like, okay, this is it. I found my home. I found validation. And it was guys that were, you know, just looking for basic solid advice. And, um, and that's really the thing that, that, you know, when I started, I, I was like, okay, this is neat. I didn't have any clue where it would lead or how it would impact me or my happiness in, in ways that it has. But, um, when I first started, it was a, it was a very, you know, selfish thing. Honestly, I was, I was doing it because it made me feel good. It made me feel better about myself after coming off of a really dark time. And, um, and so, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry for this rambling a little bit, but, um, but no, it's, it's, it's turned into something that, that kind of freaks me out. It doesn't freak me out anymore, but YouTube has made me be a better person. And the reason I say that is because, you know, not that I was a, a bad guy before, but now realizing that I have all these guys that are looking up to me or looking towards me for some type of not moral compass, but just, Hey, you know, let me, I know that they look up to me, some of these guys, and I never want to be that guy that, that says one thing and does another, or, you know, I just never want to let anybody down. And so it's, it's really impacted me in a very, very profound way. And so it's, it's been amazing and a little bit scary, but yeah, it's the, the responsibility I feel is tremendous. Mm. Like, oh my God, I, I was about to quote Spider-Man there saying with great power comes great responsibility. But <laughs> yeah, that's so cliche. Perfect. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, you, de you definitely kind of embody that like kind of in your videos and that, that kind of strong moral, everything you say to me really resonates. Like you seem like you have really great integrity. Um, and I, I, I really feel that's genuine from you. Would you say that's one of the secrets to your success of having grown so much that there is this genuineness and honesty and humbleness of, it's kind of integrated into all your businesses. Yeah. I guess that's a really hard question yeah. for you to answer. Yeah, but. how do I? Yeah, yeah. So it's because I'm so humble <laughs> that I, yeah, um, <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question, Michael. But no, I I honestly think that um, when I first started, I'll I'll take this back to the early days at YouTube to sort of you know go through this. When I first started on YouTube, it was a different world, right? It nobody had any concept or idea that you could ever make a living. It was just because these creators or people had a video camera, a big mouth, and just wanted to make videos. And so, um, you know, when I, when I first started, I was looking at the people that were creative and the people that were being successful at the time. And this was back in 2008 and nine. And the people that were thriving were people that were, were either like playing characters or being very crude and outlandish and over the top with things that they said. And I thought that that's what I needed to do. And so I started going a little bit edgier. Uh, edgy is, is the, probably the wrong word. Probably ignorant would be the appropriate word now looking back. I started doing things that just to try to, to be, you know, sort of outlandish and, and attention grabbing. 
And what I found is that, A, it wasn't really my, my thing. It wasn't me. And when I sort of dropped the shit and just started being honest and, and, and me, that's when things started to really take off. And the other thing, I, I guess one of the reasons why I feel like I've been successful is because I'm willing to go places and talk about things and, and show emotion and sort of go into some dark places in order to hopefully shed some light or help just, you know, a few people out there, um, you know, just talking about my experience. And, and I think one of the valuable things of me being older now that I'm doing this is is that I do have a lot of life experience and and businesses experience and and basically I've lived a, a a few lifetimes prior to starting YouTube and so this is coming at the appropriate time like I I joke with people that if I was young and this was all happening now without the experience or sort of being the places that I've been emotionally I'd probably be dead now I mean because like I don't think I could handle the I don't think I could handle the money. I don't think I could handle the, you know, the 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 ego. I don't think I could handle it if I had been younger and not gone through the things that I did. And so everything happens, I think, when it's supposed to. But yeah, I mean, I mean, just that's probably I would say one of the reasons why I think I've been been somewhat successful is is that I am honest and and I don't blow smoke up people's butts too often. <laughs> just my, just my own. <laughs> um, awesome. I would love, uh, like one of the uh, videos I did watch today was a video about, I guess, the, the early struggle and it's entitled My Darkest Days. And this is, mm -hmm. you know, out of like kind of the creators that I've seen on YouTube, this is one of the most inspiring videos I think I've ever seen. You know, where you talk about the exact journey that you went through um, prior to YouTube. And you talk about your dream was to set up a fitness center, if I'm right, or a gym or, or something. A yep. Gym. Yep. Um, I would love, I think there's going to be listeners who are maybe in a similar place. They've had some ups and their downs. And maybe if you could just retell some of the really like kind of important struggles that you've been through it might inspire them so i'd love it if you could maybe tell us like a little bit about alpha m before he became like alpha m right? before he became <laughs> alpha m yes it started when um when i was 12 years old honestly um for my entire life all i wanted to do was open a fitness center that was in my opinion and my mind the only thing that was going to mean happiness and success to me and it all started when I was 12 years old. I was I had some abusive stepfathers, um, and and I didn't have a very happy home life. But my mom gave me a a fitness membership when I was 12, and this is the one gift that truly changed my life more than anything. And the second thing was a video camera that my wife gave me that that encouraged me to start you know making videos. But this fitness membership, when I went to the gym, I, you know, regardless of how crappy my home life was or how emotionally sort of beaten down I was due to, you know, stepfathers that were not exactly kind. Um, when I went to a, the gym and I, I started taking care of myself and, and lifting weights, it did something for my, my self-esteem that I don't think anything else, especially not at that time, could have done. And I knew how it made me feel. When I entered the gym at 12 years old, I was the king. I felt amazing about myself. And I knew that if I felt like this when I went to the gym. This is what I wanted to do every single day of my life. 
And so from the age of 12, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to own a fitness center. That was it. That was what success looked like. And so went to college, got a degree, business management, still with the idea that, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to own a fitness center. I graduated, moved to Atlanta to chase my, my hopes and dreams. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know anybody in Atlanta. And so I moved here and got a gym at a, at a fitness center and met a gentleman. He was a, a, a general manager there. And he said, hey, would you like to open a nutrition store with me? And I thought, you know, well, it's not a, it's not a gym, but yes, it's, it's a business. I, was, I, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so this was the first experience of that. And so uh, at the fitness center, we expanded to two locations over the course of, um, over the course of like two years. Now, unfortunately, it was not a great business in the sense that the, my partner in that um, was also sort of very emotionally sort of, I guess, I don't know that he was emotionally abusive or it was me just not being able to stand up for myself. And I think that was one of the the, the big hardships and, and troubling things with growing up in a household where you just don't want to rock the boat because you don't want to have to leave your school or leave your friends you want some semblance of, of comfort and security. And so, you know, from a young age, I lost my ability to stand up for myself. And so, um, you know, the fitness center wasn't a dream yet. But when I was at the nutrition store, this guy, you know, did take advantage of me a bit. Uh, but while I was there, I met a woman named Linda and I helped Linda lose 100 pounds. And, um, you know, long story short, Linda and I sort of became friends and it was at the time that, that I realized that I needed to get out of the fitness center because the gentleman at the time was, was selling drugs out of the back and of the fitness center. And I didn't know much at the time, but I knew that prison wouldn't be a place that I would, I would flourish. <laughs> I, would, I would be popular, <laughs> but, I, but I don't think I, I, I would do real well. And so I ended up just leaving and walking away and, and started personal training at, a, at another fitness center. And Linda came to me and said, hey, I, I was wondering, if you'd be interested in starting a, a personal training studio with me, I want to help people and change their life the way you did for me. And I was, you know, this was it. This was, of course, of course I want to do this. And so um, we signed the lease. It should have been an omen on uh, September 11th, <laughs> as in like the September 11th, oh. the, uh, the, the, the planes into the World Trade Center um, date. And um, it should have been an omen as to how that business was going to unfold. But but we were undeterred and uh, we opened a fitness center or a, a small personal training studio. Uh, did that for a few years, made like no money. I was working like 70, 80 hours a week, but I was happy. I was living my dream. I was making like $24,000 a year. You know, I was, I was happy. It didn't matter because I finally had what I was seeking. And, um, and we had this idea, this great idea. Hey, we're going to we're going to expand. We're going to start this group fitness facility. And and the name was Move It. It was for parents and kids. It was group classes. It was an amazing idea, and it was going to be franchised. And this is what the ultimate dream and goal was going to be. And so, long story short, we ended up having to to raise some money in order to do this. And one of our investors um, ended up not not. Uh, it was. Long story short, got into some legal issues. He and my business partner started fighting. Attorneys got involved. At the time, my business partner and I had a lot of debt. We had like half a million dollars worth of debt between the two of us. And um, we had, the, had to come to the realization that we're either going to continue to fight or 
we need to just pack it up. And um, it was the hardest decision we ever had to make. And, and we ended up closing the business, filing for bankruptcy. And um, at the time, I was driving a beer cart on a golf course just to make ends meet, put gas in my car and, and, and give my wife a little bit of money for, for bills. Or she was my then girlfriend. And, uh, you know, the hardest part about the whole thing, it wasn't about the business closing. It wasn't about, you know, being financially ruined. The hardest part for me was not knowing what plan B was. The type of person I am, I go all in all the time, 100%. I never think about another option of this not working. I never had a safety net. I never imagined or envisioned a life without fitness or a fitness center in it. And so this was the hardest point for me was, was not knowing what that next step was. The other hard aspect to this and something that, that was equally devastating for me is this woman, Linda, he, her and I were business partners and, and doing this fitness center, personal training studio and this group fitness facility for probably about four years, five years. And um, actually come to think of it now, it's probably more like six years. And um, her and I were super close. She was a little bit older than I was. Um, but we became best friends and, you know, she would have taken a bullet for me and I would have taken one for her. And it was so emotionally devastating, the failure of this business for her that she stopped talking to me. And to this day, she won't, she won't have anything to do with me. She doesn't want to, was doesn't want to talk to me. And it's, it's, that's the thing that, that I still reflect on. I still think about and And every once in a while I'll shoot her an email. She doesn't respond. I'll call her. She doesn't respond. And, you know, that's the hardest thing is that I had somebody that I love so tremendously much and was such good friends that now, you know, she won't return my calls. And, um, you know, that that was that was the hard, hard part of it. And, uh, you know, not knowing where to go next. Those were two incredibly devastating things. And so that's kind of the story. Wow. Um, damn, even hearing that, like it gets me emotional because I can tell sort of how, you know, how how kind of pivotal those moments were and how how sad you are about like kind of losing that contact with Linda um and then despite that I mean all the other troubles you went through the debt and everything else I mean that's that's insane to think about um so I guess the next question is how did you dig yourself out of that hole like in terms of not maybe not necessarily um the 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 actual logistics but more like on an emotional mm. level like what did you do to kind of build your confidence again you know it was one of those things where it was a very slow process or evolution i i remember you know i was driving the beer cart and um and and when we ended up filing bankruptcy you know, it was, it was, it was, it was like a weight was lifted from me. You know, for my entire life, I had been struggling financially from a young age. We were on welfare. We never had much money. I remember when I tell my, my, my wife, the story of, you know, I'm, I'm 14 years old and, um, and I wanted to go get a piece of pizza and uh, pizza was a dollar 25, right? A dollar 25 cents. And we literally did not have a dollar twenty-five to give me extra that I can go and get a slice of pizza. And so, you know, when I say like money was tight, money was was more than tight. And this was sort of the the trajectory in history, you know, my entire life. Money had always been this sort of like central, almost like like this like this this weight, this very heavy weight that you're always worried about paying your bills. You're always worried about your next meal. You're always you know, going from, you know, 
hustle to hustle to hustle, trying to make ends meet. And so when this is your life and this is all, you know, when I actually filed bankruptcy, it was like, it was, it was like, I, I got a fresh start. I wasn't making much money. I was doing some personal training on the side. And then I was starting to try to do my image consulting because I thought, okay, what can I do that's going to make a little bit of money that doesn't require me to have any capital? And, um, and so, you know, at, at the time back, back in the day, this was back in 2006 when, when I, uh, when I, when I started the image consulting firm, I was like, okay, what can I do? <laughs> you know, I can make a website. So I got a friend to make me a website. I started, you know, learning how to advertise on, on Google AdWords. This was back in the day of, uh, when you could actually advertise on, on Google AdWords and not have to spend a hundred dollar per click per keyword. <laughs> and so, um, it was, it was something where, Hey, let me just put a website up there. This will kind of be my like side hustle while I'm personal training. And, um, and you know, slowly, but surely it was like, Oh, this is, this is kind of, this is kind of working. And I was enjoying it. I was, I was feeling good because I was, I was helping. And I think ultimately when I look back at all of the things that I have, have done over the years, um, all the things I've wanted to do, it all sort of centralizes around helping people. And this is what ultimately at the end of the day, now at, at 42 years old, I truly can say that, that for me, success and happiness looks like helping people. I feel good. I feel happy. I feel accomplished when I do things for other people and when I make a difference. And so, you know, I've never been motivated by money ever. It's never been, even though money was always a, a centralized sort of, 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 a, of, a, of a focus just because I needed to put food on the table. Um, it's never been, I've never done things for money. It's always been because I, I've, I've wanted to, or I've been passionate about something. And so even now, you know, money is not an issue and money's not a problem. It's still not about the money. It's about making a difference, being happy. And for me, happiness truly looks like helping people. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> um, absolutely. I, I, I really couldn't agree with you more. Like in terms of just, you know, when you when you give value to people, um, I don't think there's anything really, when I mean give value, I mean, whether that is encouragement, whether that is like pragmatic advice to help someone change their life for me. Um, as well, I really resonate with that because I feel the, the same way. I think when you give value to people that, you know, it, it makes you feel good. So it kind of almost is like a selfish thing in a way, right? There's, um, there's a, for, for everybody listening, there's an incredible documentary called Happy. Um, I think you can find it on Amazon or possibly Netflix. But what they found, these researchers were really searching for what, what is the key to happiness? And, um, and what they found is they visited all these, these people, all these villages, all they, they, they did all sorts of research and visited these, these, these communities and people that live for a super long time. And what they found is that the only thing they, they basically found that happiness, everybody has like a happiness threshold. It's almost like a tolerance. Like when you start drinking alcohol, everybody has like that, that tolerance. The only thing that will truly change that tolerance or threshold is helping people. That endorphin sort of like dopamine hit that you get from helping more than antidepressants, to be completely honest. Um, what they found is that when, when things went, and I'm, I'm, I'm butchering this, so definitely go watch it as opposed to listening to me <laughs> explain it. But what they basically found is that, you know, you've got this happiness threshold 
and you know something great can happen. You could win a million dollars and all of a sudden you get really happy, but then you come back down to your sort of normal level. Something really bad could happen. Your mother could pass away and you go down, but then fairly quickly you come back to that threshold. They said the only way truly to raise that threshold of happiness is to help other people. And, um, and it's, it's, it's something that I've, I've, I've realized is absolutely accurate and true and, and, um, you know, definitely should give it a try for everybody out there. <laughs> help somebody. It feels amazing. Yeah. It's selfish because then that's the crazy thing is that, you know, when you help somebody, whether or not it's opening the door for somebody or, you know, offering somebody your seat or, or giving them a ride when their car breaks down, it's, it's, it's something that, that it's selfish almost because yes, you're doing something kind, but it, the, the feeling that you get and the reward that you get from doing that is, is so amazing and and feel so good that that why wouldn't you do that as much as you can mm, absolutely and it, as you said it doesn't have to be this huge big thing um i know you do really big things for people and i've been watching your alpha m kind of makeover series where you actually like change people's lives but in the instance of helping people for the people listening it doesn't have to be a huge thing so one thing i like to do is it's really simple and it sounds kind of stupid but when you go into like a starbucks or you go into like a a coffee shop it's just like genuinely asking the barista like how they're doing just like spreading a bit of positivity in that way and making them feel good about themselves i find like even little things like that can make a huge difference absolutely (laughs) just connecting with people and just yeah the simple act of asking somebody how their day is Mm. watch their face like when you're checking out you know and it's not the people that you know it's the people that you don't know it's the people that you know you have no necessary quote-unquote reason to engage with them you're only going to be around them for for a moment but just that little connection is is so incredibly powerful the person checking you out at the grocery store the barista like you mentioned like just anybody that you you come in contact with just take a moment and i think that's one of the issues that that we get into now with social media everything is so fast 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 we're always on the run we're always on the go we don't take time for people like we used to Mm -hmm. and and it's you know it's 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 something that i definitely feel like we should definitely sort of sort of slow down a little bit and just just make time for people and connect where you can. I'm sorry to interrupt this episode, but today's episode is brought to you by Enemy.com. I've always said that the ultimate accessory to level up your style is sunglasses, but the issue I always found was I had two options. Number one, I'd buy a pair of cheap sunglasses at the store, they'd break shortly after, and then I'm back to shopping again. Or, number two, I'd buy a high-quality designer pair, but I'd have to spend over $300. I saw a real need for high-quality premium sunglasses that look badass but rival any other sunglass brand out there without a premium price tag. I launched Enemy.com to solve this problem, offering premium quality sunglasses without the premium price tag. Our custom-designed sunglasses feature Zeiss Optic lenses, the best lenses in the market. We use spring hinges for extra durability. Every frame is made with Italian mozzicholi acetate, so they really do look premium, and we use 100% UVA and UVB protection for ultimate eye health. 
We also keep it simple for you. Three styles that are timeless but suit every face shape. And if you're worried about size, we offer our unique perfect fit guarantee with free shipping and returns in the U.S. Instead of paying $300 for this level of quality, we sell direct to you and have cut out the additional cost most sunglasses companies charge. A pair of enemies costs just $95, and you get 15% off today using the code PODCAST15. So head over to enemy.com, choose your style, use the code PODCAST15, and get 15% off today. Don't just take my word for it, check the reviews. I'm going to take a bit of a sidestep here, because um, it's something... Uh-oh, <laughs> No, no, it's, it's a good thing, it's a good thing, don't worry. <laughs> Um, I watched your pitch on Shark Tank, the second one, not the first one. <laughs> okay, yeah, the second one's <laughs> the, better. The better one. <laughs> From what I heard it, in, the, in the second one anyway. Um, yeah, and I was, I was super impressed. I mean, like, if I wasn't impressed enough with you already with, like, you know, 5 million subscribers, all these different businesses, um, I, was, I was so impressed with the way you handled yourself in front of the the investors and how you pitch yourself. Um, so I really wanted to kind of decode this, right? And understand, I guess, two part question, where does that confidence come from? Like how can like an average Joe replicate that? And also your ability to speak and, and, and engage and present. Like, do you have any tips around that? So that was kind of my Ooh. question there. All right. So the secret, everybody's like, oh, weren't, weren't you nervous? Oh my gosh. I was, I was practically crapping my pants both times. It was horrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think one of the, the big and, and probably the, one of the most valuable tips I can give you is, is I use visualization. Something, you know, with, with Shark Tank, you know, the amount of times that I practiced that pitch, I mean, it, it, it would number in the thousands. And, and it's, it's a, it's about immersing yourself and just visualizing, you know, yourself doing it. And, 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 and it was just something where it's, it's a muscle that you just need to work and eventually you'll, you'll get better at it. Um, you know, in terms of the confidence, it really, in my opinion, boils down to, um, you know, just, just doing little things and being successful at little small things. And you string enough of these little small things together, you feel good about yourself. Like I said, you know, back in the day, it wasn't until I guess I was in my middle 20s that I, I decided that I was tired of not being able to stand up for myself. And every time I had any sort of confrontation, I would I would literally almost get sick. I would the adrenaline would just course through my body. I would get nervous, almost feeling like I wanted to pass out at any type of confrontation. This could be on the phone with a telemarketer. This could be, you know, somebody in person person that 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 has done me wrong and so what i did was i actually went to therapy for for um you know for for a few months it was i think like six six months i've been to therapy i've utilized therapy and a counselor um three different times in my life um my mom had me going to a counselor when i was like three years old um we were like i said we were on welfare she was kind of like a hippie and so she um the, the, the part of the, the welfare program was, Hey, they do have, you know, counselors for kids of divorce to go and talk to. And so she utilized that. So at three years old, I got comfortable talking about, you know, my, myself and my problems to somebody else in college. I was very much struggling with anger towards my mother. Um, I, I was very angry, very upset that, that I felt like she drug me through these really crappy situations, um, and, and stepfathers. And so, 
I, um, I, I, I went to therapy in college. It was free. And then I got out of college. I was working at that nutrition store and I thought, this is insane. I got to do something about this. And so I went to a therapist and, and ended up deciding that I just wanted to be happy and, and figured out, you know, ways and tools to, to sort of overcome that, 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 you know, the, the lack of being able to stand up for yourself. And so it's crazy, but the first time you do it, it's super hard, but then afterwards it feels incredible. And the next time it gets a little easier and a little easier and the next time a little easier. And, and the more you do it, the more you practice, the better at it you get. It's like everything. And so for me, confidence truly comes from feeling like you are giving value to the world, helping other people and, um, and just being prepared. I mean, going into Shark Tank, I was prepared. And so, um, you know, I, I don't get rattled that easily by, by people that don't intimidate me in that regard. Um, you know, at the time, as soon as I had $5,000 in my bank account, I had fuck you money as far as I was concerned. I was like, yeah, that was it, right? I'm like, so, hey, if I got $5,000, I can pay my bills. You don't, you don't scare me. I don't, I don't have to worry about money. And honestly, I know this is a little bit off topic, but what happened, and, and it was that $5,000, it was a magical moment in my life because for the first time in my life, I realized I didn't think about money during the entire day. Like I went an entire day without thinking about money and how I was going to pay my bills. And the next day, same thing happened. And I realized that $5,000, not being stressed out about money, was one of the most freeing things for me because now all that energy, all that brain width and power that I was focused and worrying about money my entire life, now was free to do something else. And what was I going to do? It, it allowed me to be more creative, more passionate, more engaging, more empathetic. And so, so that was like a big, like a big paradigm shift in my life was, was that $5,000. Um, but in terms of like actionable steps that people can do, um, it's like I said, it's about practicing. Um, you know, if you've got a big event, you've got a date, the more you do it, the more you get out there, the more you put yourself outside of your comfort zone and realize that the world isn't going to end and that people aren't as, as critical as you think they are. Cause I think honestly, that's part of it, right? You know, I think people fail to do the things that they want to do because they're fearful of what other people will say to them. It's that little voice in the back of their head that is constantly from a young age telling you, you can't, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough, whatever it is. You got to figure out and get tools to punch that little voice in the face. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with Shark Tank, that was in my mind, that was the Super Bowl, right? I am constantly doing videos. I'm constantly talking. And, and over the years, I've learned to deliver a message and be engaging. And, and once again, it's not because I'm just good at doing that. If you watch my early videos, you can tell I was not good. I was absolutely terrible when I started. But the more you practice, the more you do it, the more you work that muscle, whatever that muscle is, the better at it you get. And, um, yeah. And, and you know what else, Michael, I gotta be honest. Mm. One of the other reasons why, you know, going on and doing shark tank, once you've failed as miserably and as hard as I have, you realize, and you pick yourself up and, and you realize that the world didn't end, you know, you can pretty much withstand a lot of things. And it's almost like failure does callous you to a degree. Once you do it a few times, it's not that big a deal. And so at this point in my life, the things that I'm more fearful of other than rejection or being laughed at 
is or failing for that matter is is the fear of not trying something that I wanted to do and 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 the fear of regret. And so that's kind of where I'm where I'm at right now and and it's a pretty good place to be. It it you know, when it <laughs> when it works out, when it doesn't work out, it's not good, but hey, you know what? At least I tried it and and hopefully I learned from from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that answered your question. At all, I think I talked in a circle, Michael. No, no, but that was great. Some value there. there. Was, okay, there was so much value there. There was so much value. Like, oh, okay, good, practice, good, good. prepare. Um, you know, if you fail, you know, keep going. Failure is part of the process. Um, See, you just, so much okay, you just cons- <laughs> you consolidated five minute rant into 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 thirty seconds. See, you're much better at this than I no, am. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't Perfect, think so. Michael. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I was, that was, it was super impressive because obviously I, I you know I hadn't actually seen that um, Shark Tank pitch. Um, I hadn't seen the first one, and and as I mentioned, I was preparing for you know for the, for this interview. Um, and you mentioned the confrontation. But I, I thought you were incredible in the way that I think if that was the Super Bowl for you, you you <laughs> knocked out the park. I don't watch American yep. football, so but yep. I don't know yep. the, I don't know the term. But you absolutely destroyed it, and killed that. Because no, I, I, there was that one moment where, again, I don't I don't know the um, the names of each yeah, of the, the investors, yeah. the sharks. Um, no, that was you know I, yeah when when it was like no Barbara and and uh, no you, you got to stand up for yourself right, right? in in life. You know, you have got to set, stand up for yourself and, and take care of yourself. And that is one of those things where people, I think, just are, are, are so fearful of that confrontation and not taking care of themselves. I mean, you got to take care of yourself. And this includes not only physically, but emotionally, spiritually. And, and when you're in situations that, that you know, are, are tough and hard. And um, yeah, Shark Tank, it was, it was, it was amazing. And, and, you know, the other thing is, Michael... I, I know what they're looking for. I knew that, okay, this is this is Shark Tank. This is a television show. And so if this is what they want, they want somebody who is coming in there and not going to take you know no for an answer and not going to be pushed around or cry. I'm going to be that guy that they want me to be. And so you know taking my personality up to that next level, that's something that I just have, have, have learned to do through video. And so um, you know the other challenging thing, Shark Tank, what you don't see, they edit that down to 12 minutes. I was in there pitching and defending myself for an hour and 20 minutes. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, they, they take the highlights. It's like a, <laughs> when, what you see on television is like the highlight reel, but I couldn't have been more, more pleased with the way that that ended up turning out. Um, backstory. I, I, I got to deal with Barbara on the, on the, on the show. She wanted to invest in my social media business, Alpha M and not in, the product and brand that I was promoting, which was Pete and Pedro, my hair product company on the show. And, um, and that's, you know, I, I needed help with Pete and Pedro. And so I took a deal, I got done, I started thinking about it and it was like, wait a second, I don't, I don't, I don't need her help with this. And at the end of the day, I felt like my reputation and my credibility would be affected if I had an investor in my social media business. And so I ended up, you know, respectfully declining. But the interesting thing and the cool thing is that I've got the uh, the, the offer letter um, on on my shelf in my my office. And uh, whenever people come over, I, I they'll be like, "Oh, Shark Tank," because I've got like this one shelf with like Shark Tank memorabilia. <laughs> I've got like Pete and Pedro products that were actually on the show, and you know, little shark figurines. And I've got that letter 
or the uh, the envelope and I show people I'm like hey look here's this is from Barbara I've got her card I've actually got her <laughs> phone number and email address I don't use it but mm. it's still kind of cool and that's that's yeah. pretty neat what a story what a story it was what a great a story. story it was a great story um, and I, I agree with you. And even during the pitch, you, I think you, you call yourself, I'm, I, you say, I'm a savage on social media. And like, <laughs> Whoa, okay, that's, conf- that's confidence for you. Exactly, uh, exactly. What, you got to defend yourself, yeah, Michael. Absolutely. What, um, like, talking to like maybe the business owners or people thinking about starting their social media presence, do you have any, uh, I guess, tips for them? Um, whether they're starting or they're looking to grow their audience. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody says like, if you ask anybody this question, nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, just start. Right. But that's pretty cliche. Like just, just start. Um, you know, where, where a lot of times what holds us back. And I talk to, I tell everybody, if you've got a business, even if you don't have a business, if you've got something to say, start a YouTube channel. There's no better marketing tool that you can have. And it's just so amazing to be able to sort of just, just talk. It's very therapeutic. And, um, and so for the business owner, I, I would, I would echo that, that this, the, the sentiment of just start. Um, you are going to hate the way that you look. You're going to hate the way that you sound. You're going to hate it when you start how you come across on camera but it gets better. The more you do it, the better at it you get. Everybody sucks when they start, but the people that are successful started and then they kept going. Don't get discouraged when you don't see this a meteoric rise right away. Um, you know, I joke with people that I'm, I'm at the overnight success that took 11 years. <laughs> um, I get a lot of shit right now. And, and, you know, being on YouTube, is, 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 is challenging. I mean, it does, it's not all roses, right? I mean, I know that a lot of the things that I've said have been like, oh, it's amazing. And I feel amazing. And I do, but there is definitely a downside to being in the public eye, putting yourself out there for people to criticize, because that's something that, that we do very well as a society now is, is criticize. We enjoy doing it and it feels good to sort of poke fun and to, do all the, you know, all the little, you know, negative sort of comments and things of that nature. Um, you know, and so it, it's hard. I mean, it, it is, it is challenging to sort of put that and, and compartmentalize that and understand that this is going to happen and it's okay. I got to be honest, Michael, I get offended. I not offended, but I, I get my feelings hurt still to this day, no matter how insignificant these people are, no matter how insignificant their comment Whenever somebody criticizes you, it's never fun to hear. And there is no more public way of being criticized than when you are on social media. And, and so this is not necessarily to say that you shouldn't do it. And I know that this isn't like <laughs> something that's going to make business owners be, sound like, oh, that sounds amazing, <laughs> right? I know that I'm doing that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm letting you know. But the, the benefit you get far outweighs, a multiple of like a million outweighs the negative, you know, crap that that you that you get and and the negative comments but it never goes away um in terms of of it it sucks right it it sucks when people tell you that you suck but don't let that dissuade you from keeping going and and putting the content out you just got to keep it keep it keep it flowing keep it coming out don't do one video two videos ten videos and be like oh this isn't working it's going to take more than that for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and just keep going and eventually you'll find your sweet spot 
eventually sort of things will start you know, coming together and, and the dots start connecting. But YouTube, social media, it's one of those dots that as a business owner, you need to be connecting these days. Because if not, you're going to you're going to fall behind. You're not going to be able to compete in the market today because people today are on social media. It's a way that we live. It, you know, the thought of somebody not having a website is kind of like, what? That's that's a, that's crazy. Or not having a cell phone. That would be crazy. Ten years ago, that's what people were saying. Nowadays, you got to have some type of presence. And if you're a business owner and you're not the one, that's okay. You know, not everybody is comfortable or wants to be in front of a camera. So find somebody that will be in front of the camera for you and work with them to develop your social media presence and and. In, in my opinion, I think a YouTube channel is, it should be front and center as to where you should focus. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, I 100% I agree. And I think you really live those, uh, those kind of statements as well that you've made, like the consistency, you've been so consistent, um, just starting kind of... It's very like I don't I don't like I was looking through your comments and I don't see very many negative comments. I think because I delete them. I delete a lot of my <laughs> block them. them. Oh, okay. that, that's something I do. Oh yeah, like when I okay. when I <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah, no I, negative comments. This is <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what happens is when I put out a video, I typically will like look at the comments for like the first like hour just to see what people are saying. And typically, people that are negative will be really quick to just tell you what you know something negative, and I'll just I'll just hide them from my channel so I don't see them. You know, I don't, I don't need to surround myself with, with, or like, you know, I, I try to, I try to shield myself from, from the negativity as much mm -hmm. as possible because it does affect me in a, in a pretty powerful way. And so, um, right. yeah, I try to, I try to limit my right. exposure to my own criticism. Right. And I think, I think there's a definitely a difference. Um, you seem very self-aware, so I'm sure if it's constructive criticism, you take it on board. But then when yes. it's just downright like negativity and trolling, which a lot of people seem to get off on these days yep. for some weird reason, like I'm the same as well. If it's just, <laughs> here's a funny, here's a funny comment for you. I just had kind of a little flashback. I remember, um, so I haven't been super consistent in putting videos out on my YouTube of late, but I remember there was this one guy that would comment on every single video about my <laughs> shirt, the color of my shirt or the fit of my shirt, every, without like clockwork, he would say, oh, the color's, color's a bit off, or you know what, oh, that, that, that sh uh, shirt's not tapered bright. You know, you should see a tailor. And he would just do it every single video. And it, <laughs> like, I, I, it, it does get to you. It does kind of bother you. And you're like, okay, here it is. You just like release the video. First comment. Oh, this sh your, sh your shirt's a bit off. Like it's a bit, you know, and some people get nasty with it. But yeah, I agree with you. Don't let it deter you. Um, if anything, like to some degree, right, the more people that are like disliking what you're doing, sometimes it can mean you're heading in the right direction. So absolutely. To, uh, That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> um right so let's talk i mean it wouldn't be an interview with you unless we talked about style in some way or some kind of like fashion uh -oh. tip so <laughs> i wanted to know uh -oh. do you have any and these can be general style tips or they can be like 
2019 fashion centric tips but do you have any tips for someone who's maybe wants to get a new wardrobe in 2019 they're looking good maybe they lost weight or something and they, they want to restyle themselves where where would you start if you were them and i i appreciate i'm asking you these big grand questions that you could take like 20 minutes to answer but uh, give us exactly the, the so comments. so basically just re just remember this a wardrobe is not bought it's built you don't just go out you know with $5,000, $2,000, whatever your budget is and be like, okay, I'm going to buy a new wardrobe. That just doesn't happen. It's not, it's not, it's not smart to do that. And so basically what I would do is start with your own wardrobe and really, you know, declutter it, take out and throw out everything that you not throw out, but get a trash bag, grab it. You know, if it doesn't fit, you don't like it, you don't wear it, go in your drawers. Cause we as men tend to have a hard time letting go and relinquishing old clothes. And so get honest, declutter your current closet and really take an analysis and, and, and look and see what you have. The clothes that you don't have, go donate them to charity. Once again, boom, we're going to check something off for feeling good because you did something for somebody else. Somebody else is going to get a lot of benefit from those old clothes. And once you have a, a foundation of, okay, you're, you're, you're typically going to need specific items. Your a wardrobe, what I typically find when I used to do the image consulting, usually people would be proficient in like one category or style of dress. Like, okay, you're good on work, right? You've got your chinos, you've got your shirts, you've got it down. But typically they're not going to be as proficient when it comes to casual clothes. And so focus on the things that you're deficient in. Um, you know, of course, you know, the, the generic answer and, and it's generic because it, it is so true, you know, grabbing, you know, number one, a great pair of jeans or denim will change your life. Um, go into the store. You know, the crazy thing is that a lot of guys, if they're not wearing jeans that fit them properly, don't understand that that slim fit or or tapered or tailored jeans are, are actually not going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be amazingly comfortable. They're just going to fit your body. A lot of denim now has a lot of stretch in it. And so they're going to be almost like feeling like you're, you're wearing, you know, workout pants, go into a store and, and grab a sales associate and ask them, say, look, I need new jeans. And, and they're going to be able to walk you through the various fits, try the different options. Um, you know, a great pair of boots is in my opinion, one of the great ex style options and, um, and, and go-tos for me. Uh, just because whenever I wear a pair of boots, whether or not it's a pair of Chelsea boots, a pair of chuckas, I feel like a badass. They make me feel more confident. And if you're a short guy like me, giving a little bit of heel, getting a little extra height is definitely not a bad thing. And then look for some basic items, some, some, some well-tailored or fitted, you know, pocket t-shirts, just the classic items. Start there, expand a leather jacket, in my opinion, a lightweight bomber jacket or motorcycle jacket or biker jacket. That also is, is one of my go-tos. Um, if you see me nine times out of 10, you're going to see me wearing a pair of boots, jeans, t-shirt, and a leather jacket right there. Four simple pieces that are just, they, they just work and you feel like a badass when you're wearing it. And so that's my style advice, Michael. <laughs> boom. Boots, jeans, t-shirt, leather jacket. Boom, boom. <laughs> and declutter your, declutter your wardrobe. Oh, yeah. and so here, one other tip for you, Michael. Okay. So one of the other issues that a lot of guys have is that they're like, oh, they're, 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 they're worried about what their friends or coworkers will say or think if they show up and they're wearing clothes that are a little bit different from what they normally do. 
And so what I recommend is start with the shoes. You don't necessarily need to change everything. If you're somebody who's worried about being, you know, picked at or, or made fun of or questioned because you're trying something different, start with one item and wear that for a week. And then the next item or next week, add another item. So maybe you went with a new pair of, you know, cool, like, you know, lace up wingtip brogues or something or double monk straps or those boots, right? But keep it with your old wardrobe. And then the next week, okay, we're going to keep those shoes, but then we're adding a pair of well-tailored chinos. Wow. And so systematically go up your body, go up your wardrobe, and eventually it's an evolution. People aren't going to notice or call you out. And if they do, own it. Don't try and be like, oh, yeah, you know. It's one of those things where guys start to like grow a beard, right? Or they want to grow like some stubble. And you can see that they edged underneath their neckline, right? But you see them and they're normally clean shaven and you say, oh, Jimmy, you know, are you growing a beard? Oh, well, no, I just didn't shave now. Come on, Jimmy. I see you edged up your cheeks and under your jaw. It looks good. Don't worry about it. Own it, gentlemen. You got to own it. If you want to try something, do it. Don't let anybody else tell you you shouldn't do it. And at the end of the day, when you start looking so super fine and fresh, that what's going to happen is they're going to ask you for style tips. And that's when you've made it, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's that's awesome advice. That's that that's damn good advice. Like I never thought about that. Do one <laughs> item at a time, do a slow kind of transformation over time. And then before you know it, you'll kind of dress the way you want to be dressed and own it absolutely and own, own it. it own it as you said it kind of comes back to that that thing we were talking about before with like confrontation and, and and people kind of coming at you a little bit you know have the confidence to really stand up for yourself as uh, as aaron said um now let's move on it, my, michael it took a lot of years of therapy to realize that <laughs> easier said than done right right <laughs> Um, let's move let's move on now I know we're jumping around topics uh, a little bit but I feel like you've got so much to offer in so in so many different areas um, that it'd be a shame if we didn't touch on this as well so reading your bio on your website I can see that you know there's Pete and Pedro obviously you know you pitched it on Shark Tank and and from what the last video you made on that product it's it's doing incredibly well it's um, then you've got Tish Hanley Menfluential Media, um, then obviously I am Alpha M, the website, and then the videos. Uh, how do you? How in the hell do you manage all of these different projects? And I know that you've got <laughs> other people that maybe head up um, different brands, but how do you manage and keep on top of all these different projects and businesses? Do you have any systems? You know, how, what's your process there? I, I don't have any systems, unfortunately. Um, so I am a control freak by nature. I am also, as my wife will tell you, I am a micromanager. I micro I can micromanage anything, right? And it's not one of my strong suits. This is a negative for me. Um, you know, it, it's I have a routine. It's something where I've 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 developed this routine that works for me. I get up early. I do this specific things in a specific order every single day. Um, and, and as it, when it comes to my businesses, you know, when you, when you think about my businesses, the number one driver of everything is my YouTube channel and my videos. And so that's the number one priority I have in my day. I've got to film a video every day, Monday through Friday. That's just like, it has to happen. If not, nothing else in my mind, nothing else, you know, sort of can flourish. So that's what I build my, my life around and my day around is that video. Um, 
I also, you know, over the years have have started some other businesses. You know, the the two businesses that um, you know, are 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 fairly large. Like Tej Hanley is my largest business. Um, but Tej Hanley, we're based out of Chicago. I have two business partners. Um, I do what I do for Tej Hanley, which is promote and market Tej Hanley, my skincare company. I have other people that handle the day-to-day operations, all the stuff that's not real fun. Um, they handle it. We have meetings twice a week, but that business sort of does what that business does. And I've got people that are paying attention to that. I also um, have have Pete and Pedro, the hair product company. Recently, I did something really smart. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't my idea. It was his. And so I can't take credit for it. I, I do, though. Um, I hired um, the the uh, e-commerce manager um, and, and marketing director for the groominglounge.com, which is a fairly popular online men's grooming company. And um, this, this gentleman, Mike, Mike Levy, he and I became friends because he was really kind of like my second, you know, the second business to ever do any type of, you know, promotion with me on my YouTube channel. He and I have been friends for years. And, um, and so he was looking for a change. I needed to hire somebody to help with Pete and Pedro because Pete and Pedro has grown. It's doubled in sales every single year since I started it. But it's done that just despite of me. I've actually, everything I have done for Pete and Pedro has 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 theoretically held it back because I don't do the things I need to do. Um, I don't have the systems. I, I've done a really bad job managing and running Pete and Pedro. But just because I'm persistent and I, I have it out there, um, it's, it's, it's grown. And so he came in and all of a sudden now, wow, you know, he's, he's giving systems, he's doing things that I never would have done. And, and we've taken our growth to the next level, um, and allowing people to have the freedom and flexibility to make good decisions and choices. Um, and so, you know, I've got somebody who's sort of paying attention to Pete and Pedro. I've got somebody who's paying attention to Tej Hanley, um, the advertising agency, Menfluential Media, uh, that was started because my my best friend from from high school, Terry, um, he and I were were he was really the only person I keep in contact with from high school, and um, it was I guess about four years ago, I was I was he would come to my family reunion every year, and we were talking. He was a he was a car salesman. He was an upper management in an automotive dealership, and he was very burnt out and he was tired, the long hours, and 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 we were talking. And he's a very good salesman. And I said to him, I said, you know, I'm sort of at a crossroads. The thing that I love doing is 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 video. The thing that I hate doing is talking to these potential advertisers and sponsors about me and 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 my videos. And so, would you be interested in in selling advertising for me? And he's like, yeah, let's give it a try. And at the time, he was my most expensive employee ever. I committed to spending five thousand dollars a month. He needed about five grand a month to cover his bills, his overhead and and everything like that. And we decided to try it for three months. And if it didn't work, you know, it's okay. And if it did work, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll deal with that. And that'd be great. It was so successful immediately. He did such a great job and it was so freeing for me because now all of a sudden I had time to focus on what I did and what I love doing, which is making videos that we ended up starting an agency, Menfluential Media and selling advertising and brand deals for about 40 other guys that are similar, like, you know, they have vlogs or podcasts or their YouTube channels. And he then hired his brother, 
Then we hired another guy, Tom, you know, we've got an assistant. And so that business kind of runs itself. And so it's not like I'm, I'm this master juggler, Michael. It's, I am, I'm an opportunist. When I see something that I want to do, I'll go and try it. And then I sort of fumble through it and learn as I go. And eventually I get to a point where I'm, I'm smart enough to know what I don't know and what I'm not good at. And, um, and so I, I hire people that are my friends and family, honestly, and people that I trust to, uh, to take it and, and, and protect my baby. Mm. Well, wow. <clears throat> yeah. So it sounds like to me, you know, you, you partnering with the right kind of people, which with, as you said, you, you know, you trust them and they've got the right, the right kind of complementary skills. So you can really focus on what you're brilliant at is the real is the, I guess is the real important thing you've done there. So I guess that's yeah, the system I mean, in itself, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it is the system because I am really bad at a lot of things, but I'm really good at certain ones. And so figuring out as an entrepreneur, figuring out how you can do what you're really good at and what you love doing and what other people, and, and then offload and let other people handle the things that you can't. Now, truth is that when you're an entrepreneur, when you're starting, you're going to do everything. You're going to do the things that suck. You're going to do the things that you love doing. But at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur, it, it's, it's, it's such a rush. It's a thrill. It's, it's exciting. It's heartbreaking. It takes a different type of stomach. It, it's sleepless nights and, and long, super horrible hours and, and all that good stuff and bad stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur and it's in your veins and in your blood, you're going to do whatever it takes. And eventually you, you, you get smart enough and you get, you know, stable enough that you're able to, you know, hire somebody. One of the biggest mistakes and reasons why a lot of entrepreneurs fail is that they, 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 they don't realize that, that they don't need a lot of things or they, they think they need things that they just want. And so they'll outlay a lot of cash or, or they'll get too deep in terms of debt or overhead too early on. And so one of my, my, models through from the very early age um, or not early age, but what I learned from filing bankruptcy, what I decided from that point, I would never do anything I couldn't afford or pay for because, you know, one of the biggest stresses once again is money, right? And when, when you're running a business, when you're starting a business, when you're operating a business, the most challenging thing is, especially in the beginning is, is figuring out, you know, and managing cash flow. And so, you know, a lot of t times these entrepreneurs think, oh, I, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want a really cool office or I need the best computer or I need the best camera or I need this. I need that. And you don't need that. You want that. And, you know, I say keep your overhead as low as possible. Expand and spend the money when you have it. If you need to go in debt, only do it because you've got a plan on how you're going to utilize that capital in order to grow your business and prosper because taking money that you don't need is a trap and it's very detrimental to the future and the growth of your your business if mm -hmm. i'm being honest mm -hmm. very good advice very very good advice particularly for those you know the people that are that are just starting out and as you said they think they need the fancy camera to start a youtube channel or they think they need fancy equipment when you really don't need that just bootstrap it start it small start building momentum and then move from there i when really we, when we started when we started teach hanley like that's the thing like we are we teach hanley that business is a unicorn because a lot of times um you know you see these these subscription service businesses or these these new tech startups 
and they are they are really heavily leveraged through through outside investment and funding and then series A and series B and there and we started that business with $175,000 and we haven't we haven't uh we haven't taken any outside funding we're super profitable and that business is is a big business and um and it's uh it it continues to grow and so you can do it without the money but you just need to you know you need to you need to just really focus and not fall into the trap of of overspending for things that you want versus need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, last question from me. Thank you very, very much for your time and opening up. You've done so many things. Um, you've got the YouTube channel hitting 5 million subscribers very, very soon. I think ho- hopefully over the next uh, few days. Um, you've got Months. the various. It'll be a month, Michael. <laughs> but thank you. I don't know. To me, it feels like it's going to be tomorrow. But okay, maybe okay, maybe a month. Um, but uh, you've you, you know you're going from strength to strength here. So what what does the future hold for you? Is there any big goals that you haven't accomplished, or is there anything you're like, you know what, I'd really like to do that? Give us a yeah. glimpse, maybe, of what you're thinking. You know, my future looks like this right now. I am going to, and that's one of the. I never had a five-year plan. Five-year plans have never worked out for me. I always just kind of look at it like this. There's some things that I want to do. And at the end of the day, in the future, I, I just I want to be happy. And so um, it will make me happy in the future, the next, you know, say 12 months. If um, my business, you know, T. Shanley continues to grow, my YouTube channel, I don't screw too much things, too much up. Uh, Pete and Pedro, I continue to grow. I do have like financial like benchmarks and things of that nature. Um, I want to start a sunglass or not. I want to. I am in the process of starting a sunglass company called Enemy. I uh, I recently bought the domain Enemy.com, which is pretty sweet domain, Michael. Very if I do say cool. so myself. Very cool. And, and that business was it's that's a that's kind of like my passion project. I have zero expectations other than making some really killer shades. Um, I was, I was literally, I, I love sunglasses. Oh, hang on one second. So I love sunglasses. They're like my thing. And, um, and when I'm in, uh, my, my business teach Hanley is based out of Chicago, Illinois. And so up in Chicago, I am, it's right by the sunglass store. I've become friendly with the owner. It's a high end sunglass store. And in the window, he has this sign that says good is the enemy of great. It's a saying I've heard it before. But I saw that word enemy and I thought, man, that's a really cool name. And then I, it was on a sunglass store. I'm like, that would be a really cool name for a sunglass brand. And so I went back to my room. It was right before my, my meeting. And, you know, instead of getting ready, I'm sitting there on, on you know, Google trying to search to see, okay, there's surely there's got to be a sunglass company called enemy. It's such a cool name for a sunglass company. <laughs> Long story short, there wasn't. I go to Google or I go to GoDaddy and, and I said enemy dot, uh, enemyshades.com. It was available. Enemysunglasses.com. It was available. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to try this. I called my buddy who's really good at branding and sourcing. I said, yo, John, I got the best name for a sunglass company. Do you want to start a business with me? He said, what's the name? I told him, I said, it's enemy. He said, absolutely. Let's do it. And so for the last, like, I guess it's been four months we've been working and developing and, and we've designed, they're all custom, these sunglasses, super high end premium sunglasses for a great price. And, um, it's been a lot of fun and I, I'm getting, I'm, I'm itching. I'm antsy to start promoting them and selling them. And uh, that should be in the beginning of May that, that we finally get our order. So 
that's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to. It's going to be fun. Wow, dude, you're an absolute machine. Another brand. <laughs> I, I know it's going to kill it. I know you don't have... Yeah, uh, you, you said that it's a passion project, but I know it's going to do well. Enemy.com, that's a great Enemy Enemy.com. Yeah, I think it's, like, it's a great brand. It's kind of like a lifestyle brand that could potentially come out of it. I just... I just love the name and, and uh, I just I just think it's I love sunglasses and, and you know as an entrepreneur if you do what you love you can't go wrong. What a great what a great uh, sentence and sentiment to end to end this podcast. Thank you so much, Aaron. I know you're super busy. I appreciate your time so much. If never the audience... too busy for you, Michael. Never too busy for you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. You want to you do this once a week? I, I, I just like talking don't, to people. Yeah, <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Exactly, uh, right? Number uh, two. Uh, um, where can people find out about It's not hard to find you, right? But where yeah, can people you, find out about you? Sure, sure. If you go to YouTube and type in Alpha M, you will find my YouTube channel. Or if you go to alphaM.com, you can find... Um, it's sort of like a resume of, of all my businesses. All my entities are kind of just like housed right there. That's probably the easiest way. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you very much, Aaron. And we will definitely hold you to that at uh, some point in the, in the more, future. More conversations. All more right. Conversations. A, B. Exactly. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. You're a rock star. I thank appreciate you. the opportunity. Thanks, brother. Okay. Gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode. As always, I appreciate your support. Once again, if you found this episode or any of the content I've put out in the past helpful, please leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening to this on. Once again, every week, we're going to read out and feature a few of my personal favorite reviews. And if you're looking to upgrade your sunglass game, don't forget to check out Enemy.com. Honestly, the quality of these glasses for the price is insane. Just read the reviews. Gentlemen, stay awesome.